Welcome to Emerge Dynamics. Emerge Dynamics. The podcast for those who manage and invest in middle market private companies across the globe. globe. We're telling the stories of the unsung champions who take enormous risks every day to weave the fabric of our societies. Those who collectively, from the multi-trillion dollar largest market on the planet, we're diving into the dynamics of what makes some of them emerge from their peers and create incredible returns and impact on their communities. This is Emerge Dynamics. Hey everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Emerge Dynamics podcast. I am David Cusimano here with Eric Wingerter. Hi, David. Hello, everyone. Great to be talking again. And Eric, we're going to pick up right where we left off. We left off talking about how to make a bank want you, specifically talking about banks, lending, how to be more attractive to a lender. Today, we're going to transition as a similar thing, but instead of debt and banks, we're going to be talking about equity investors and, uh, and equity. Similar but different conversation, but also very important for anyone looking to emerge beyond their peers, really scale, really grow. As we know, capital is often an engine that can uh, help us get there. Yes, Absolutely. Let's talk, Eric, just maybe first about some of the differences here, right? Because a lot of times, especially for, I'd noticed there's a lot of businesses, really small businesses, they're very hesitant even to talk about debt. They have in their mind that any debt is bad. And I think there are, certainly there can be good debt. It can be a really good tool for growing a business. Too much of it or irresponsible use of it is bad. But I find a lot of smaller businesses can often get their arms wrapped around, hey, I'm going to borrow some money. I often find, though, a lot of businesses, even businesses 20, 30, 40 million in revenue, are really reluctant to say, let me bring in an equity investor. Some of them, right from the beginning, are excited about it. They recognize this is a path to grow, and they're out there doing a tour, trying to get investors on board. Other ones, though, They've just, this is just a really scary thing and they don't really understand how to get their brains around that. So I think we should talk about why you'd want to do this. And it's not for everyone, but often for especially a business that's going to be scaling, growing rapidly, this is often something that makes a whole lot of sense. Yeah. And maybe before we do that, Dave, we could just chat very, very quickly about what that cost of capital is. Because sometimes people hear that, uh, yeah, what's your weighted average cost of capital? What's your cost of capital? And for debt capital, it's pretty easy to calculate because you've got an inherent interest rate and payback and all. On the equity side of things, it's a little tougher. But if you think about where each of those capital holders are sitting in the company, the equity holders are positioned below the debt holders. And so when we talk about risk, we know that an equity holder has a tremendous more risk just as the business owner themselves has that risk because the banks are taking collateral and all these other things that we've talked about. But because of that, when there's higher risk, there's usually a higher rate of return or expected rate of return. So when we talk about equity holders versus debt holders, one of the things that we need to always keep in mind is what's that cost of capital. And sometimes it's hard to really calculate for the equity side of that, what's the real cost to you as a as an equity holder, as a business owner. But know this, it is substantially higher than what it is with banks and, and debt. 
Absolutely. It is more expensive, but often can still be a good thing. Sometimes we say, ah, it's more expensive. Yeah, I don't, I don't want circumstances. It. Right. And another thing we should maybe say before we get deeper in, before anyone turns off this episode, because I can imagine some people saying, ah, that's not me. I'm going to skip this episode. All business owners are equity investors. Every day that we operate our business, that we show up, that we get free cash flow, operating cash flow out of our business, and we run the business another day, we reinvest that money back into the business. We're making an equity investment in the business. So this doesn't have to only be a conversation about external equity holders. I think we're going to be talking more along that line about equity, external equity investors. But really, if you're a business owner, you're one of those people. So you still need to understand this stuff just to understand if you're going to invest in your own business. Keep doing that. So, and I think Eric too, an equity investor is going to be a lot more tuned into the financial forecast or the performa that you make than a debt investor will be. The bank cares. The bank wants to see your performa. They want to see your coverage ratio. But often banks will say, that's great. Okay, I get it. But tell me about my collateral. <laughs> right. And if the collateral is not there. I and wait, what, what are your historical yeah. financial statements telling me? And they're running off of the calculations off of the historical. Often a bank won't even lend to you based on your future cash flow. They want to make sure your existing cash flow can pay them back. Right. And that is a very strong point here that you raised at the very beginning is, is when equity versus debt. One of the cases is when you're in a startup mode in your early stage, oftentimes it's a lot harder to get the banks to buy in because they don't have the historical information available to them that they rely a lot on. And so there may not be as many options on the banking side of things. And that's when you do potentially look at equity. Absolutely. And the equity, certainly in my experience, I imagine this is pretty common. An equity investor is going to look at your performa a lot deeper because for them, they're going to get paid on your future cash flows, right? They want to know, especially your future cash flows after the, as you said, the debt holders are paid, they're in the same boat with you. And so that's how they get their return. And so they're going to be very granular about this, right? I mean, I guess I've seen some equity investors say, hey, I like the person. I like the idea. It's a good entrepreneur. Here's my check. More often than not, they want to understand, okay, how many units are you going to sell? You know, when you say you're going to sell this many at this rate, how are you going to do that? What's your sales force look like? All the things that we talked about in the last episode, as far as these more granular bits and pieces that make the performa into a good one. It's prime time at that point, as far as you being able to explain this, you go to an investor presentation and really soundly defend all of your assumptions. Yes, I agree hundred percent. And just as you, as a business owner, as you've said, David, we're all equity holders in, in our businesses. We should be looking at that ourselves because like, what's my rate of return on my investment into this company what does that look like? And, you know, that kind of goes back to some of those calculations and some of those ratios that we talked about, like return on equity and things of that nature. Those are all important things that you as a business owner want to see and understand, as well as any other equity holders that you may be trying to attract. Absolutely. And so let's talk about what metrics or what things in your performa the equity investor is going to want to see. We talked about for debt holders, there's like there are different types of debt service coverage ratios that they want to see. An equity investor will want to see that too, because they want to make sure, of course, that you have <laughs> access to beyond what you pay to the debt holder. But what I see, Eric, that is really pivotal for them is IRR. 
internal rate of return. For anybody not familiar with that, what that is, it's, it's probably a little bit more complex to understand the math mechanics behind it. Maybe we can put some kind of link in the show notes to, to that. But really what it does is it takes into account the timing of when investors get their money back. And this, as you as a business owner, need to understand this. And any equity investor is absolutely going to want to, to speak in this language. And so here's just a real simple example. If I invest a million dollars in your business today and you tell me you can give me back $1.3 million, I don't yet know if this is a good investment or not. The thing I need to understand in order to determine if this is a good investment or not is when will I get this $1.3 million back, right? If I get this $1.3 million back in one year, then annualized, I just got a 30% rate of return probably somewhat reasonable for investing in a private company, a risky equity in a private company. If you tell me it's going to be five years before you get this $1.3 million, well, that's a, I can't work the math out that quickly in my head. I could on a spreadsheet, but it's a saliently smaller. It's less than 6%. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Eric can do it faster than me, right? It's a much lower rate of return. At this point, under 6% is probably something that's not going to get an equity holder excited. They're probably not going to make the investment. If you're going to return the $1.3 million in four months, now your effective annual IRR is, is much higher than that, right? So the important thing is just that time element. So I think rather than us doing finance 101 on IRR, Eric, I think it'd be good just to, to leave people on that specific concept with, this is important. Microsoft Excel can calculate it for you. Any financial advisor, consultant, investment banker can help you with this. But this is absolutely, just like we talked about last episode with going to a conversation with the banks, you go to an equity investor and you say, I'm looking to raise a million dollars just to make up a number, right? And I expect your IRR, now there's a lot of uncertainty in the world, but reasonably I expect your IRR to be 35%, 40%, and here's why. And I've got it baked into my performance. You can see your money going into my balance sheet and you can see your money at a certain time coming back out of my balance sheet and the return you would get there, the percent of the company you would own, right? They're also going to want to know how they would get paid back, not just what the IRR could be, but how, what are the mechanics that will actually allow it? So are you selling the business in three years, in five years? Are you going to be doing a recap event where you're going to borrow money in order to pay equity holders out? Will internal cash flow just be strong enough that you can give dividends on a regular basis to generate that IRR? Different equity holders are going to have different tolerances. Some equity holders are going to say, I need my money back in three years or five years, and that's it. And they'll even put in the operating agreement something that forces you to sell at a certain time. Other equity holders are much more patient. It's all part of the dialogue and the conversation that we have to have with that. And the devil's always in the details <laughs> of that. And I mean, the, the number of possible scenarios of what that looks like are almost endless, depending on the equity holders, as you said, or and the circumstances within the business. Absolutely. And so getting back to Eric, just to clarify, why would we do this? Hey, it's more expensive. (laughs) The equity holder is probably not going to move until they get a return. They can reasonably think the return somewhere between 20 and 40%, depending on your risk profile, their familiarity with your business. So why do this? Sometimes, David, it's the only alternative that you might have outside of your own money being invested because of the stage that you're in, as we said, very, very early stage enterprise. 
is one example of that that is really not yet in a position to be bankable in the traditional banking sense. So, I mean, that's usually the most common example, I guess, of, of why you do it. The other is, is it could be that you're looking for someone to come in who has access, let's say, is a strategic investor in the company, and they may have access to different customers or different products or different things of that nature, or can get help you gain efficiencies operationally. And without them, you would not be able to grow as quickly. And so you may be very interested in bringing an investor like that on board because they're going to help to accelerate your growth. And that means that not only do they benefit from that accelerated growth, but you benefit from that accelerated growth as an equity holder. So those are a couple of examples I can think of right off the top of my head. A hundred percent, Eric. And I'm glad you said that because certainly there are equity investors who just will write a check and wait for their return. And in the right circumstances, that may be what you want. There are other equity investors who can arguably be way more valuable because, right, they bring the things to the table that you just said. And it may be the case that you were on a trajectory to grow your business, let's say, 8% a year before. But with this person on board, you could be in a trajectory to grow 20 to 30% a year. So suddenly they put you on a stage you never could have gotten to on your own. And the return that they would earn is well worth it because you are going to be so much better off than you ever would have if you had to go into this relationship, right? Right, right. If you were on your own, you were doing 5 to 10% growth a year and all of a sudden you can bring in an equity holder and grow at 50 plus percent a year. All of that, that 50% of growth that uh, is coming back your way as well. That additional 30, 40% of growth is coming your way as well. So your wealth grows more, your, to take the conversation beyond just growing the profit and the wealth, right? Your ability often to achieve and make into reality the vision that your business is on its path for, you can be that much closer to it, that much faster, right? So if you believe you're doing a good thing with your business, this might allow you to do more of that good thing. So yeah, all good things. I think, Eric, we should talk too about, there's risk here. Right? There's numerous examples of equity investments that have worked out really well and businesses have grown really fast, faster than they otherwise could have. And everyone is so happy they did this, went to this relationship together. However, there's no guarantee, right? You could end up giving away, not giving, but you could end up having someone invest and buy a substantial portion of the equity in your business. And then the business doesn't grow, right? And now you're left with a smaller share of a pie that's not that big. We've seen that happen before as well, right? And it, it can be a really sad thing when suddenly the equity investors are now controlling a business and the founders are more and more not able to run or be involved in the business that they, that they yeah, started. Because they've been uh, liquidated uh, by default to such an extent that they have so, such less control or little to no control of the business and, and their company is in the hands of somebody else. Absolutely. And so I think we used the example in the last episode of going to a dance, asking someone to dance with you. I would say partnering with an equity holder is more like asking someone to marry you. It's a deeper relationship. It's not a relationship you're going to be able to untangle. It can be a very good relationship. It can definitely be something that can make all parties better off. It requires not just proving to a bank that you're going to pay them back, but 
due diligence, right? The equity investor is going to do diligence on you. You need to be doing diligence on them. You really need to understand the legal agreements that are going to be put into place that are going to address what happens, triggers. Yep. Right, yep. right, right, right. Now, if you do all that, this can be a really happy relationship, a very productive, prosperous relationship. I just want to make sure people understand too, this is a, this is a deeper, bigger relationship that you that just make sure you get the right partner. <laughs> exactly. Or partners. Partners. As the case may be. And all of this, David, none of this is kind of getting to the level of you know, public company raising capital in the public markets or anything to that extent. Of course, that's always an option for companies, but we've kept it at the level of private companies and private equity holders. Absolutely. So, Eric, I think we've covered everything I have in my notes that we wanted to talk about as far as equity investment. Is there anything else? No, I, mean, I think just to close it out. It's just reiterating again, David, that there are oftentimes very good reasons to go out there and raise equity capital for a company. So we shouldn't just, as you said, I think at the beginning, some some people would just say, I'm not, I don't want any equity holders. I'm, I'm going to be a hundred percent shareholder. That's it. And sometimes there's very good reasons for that way of looking at it as, as well. But when you step into having other equity holders besides yourself, just know that the risk is going up. The rate of return that is necessary to provide to those equity shareholders is significantly higher than if you were doing raising capital through the bank. So the risk is higher, the rate is higher, but as you said, under the right circumstances, it can be very much just what the doctor ordered for you. Just need to know what you're doing there, get very, very good counsel along the way. This is not something that you want to just jump into haphazardly. Absolutely. Well said. Concluding thoughts there, Eric. So folks, I guess this concludes us talking about debt and equity over the last couple of episodes. If you've enjoyed this, we hope you have. There's more. As a reminder, there are more topics to come, more exciting topics to come. As a reminder, if you have any questions, complaints, emotional outbursts, you can send them all to podcast at emergedynamics.com. Also, if you'd like to be a guest on the show, if there are things that we're talking about on the show that resonate with you, that you've experienced and really have a story to tell about your experience or, or the traction or the benefit that came from that, we would love to talk with you about it. We have a couple of exciting guests actually in the pipeline. We'll be coming up in the next couple of episodes. So excited to bring those to you as well. So with that, folks, we'll see you next time. All right. Look forward to it.